Father, this morning we just come before your throne just with humble hearts to come before you and say, all hail King Jesus. We thank you for this morning for the forgiveness that we have. We thank you that you look on us and you see us as righteous and you see us as holy because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I thank you this morning, Lord, for your forgiveness. I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I just, we love you this morning. We pray that as we continue in worship, as we hear your word this morning, God, that you just let us open our ears, open our hearts to what you may have for us this morning. And God, we ask that we be changed by your goodness, changed by your words this morning. God, we love you and we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When you see something beautiful, I want you to consider the church. When you see something beautiful, a sunset, an ocean view, a mountain, a stream, a flower. I want you to consider the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12. The human body has many parts. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us, some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were, were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts that God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers... All the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. Interesting, it doesn't say these are all the parts. It says these are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers, then those who do miracles, then those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, and those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? 
Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. The body of Christ is a beautiful living thing. When the body of Christ is operating, it is a beautiful thing to behold. When we are the body of Christ and we are using our shape to glorify God and we are used by God, we, we, we do paint a beautiful portrait in this world. And so I think that when you begin to look at the design of the body, the shape of the body, the purpose of the body, the importance of the mission of the body of Christ, I think it ought to draw from us a great deal of consideration. It ought to draw from us a commitment. We need to reconsider our, how much we value the body of Christ, our concern about the body of Christ, and be focused in living our lives out in such a way that we do our part as one of the many parts of the body of Christ to see how God is going to use us. First of all, it's very interesting that he's speaking this to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, if there was a church among all the church letters that Paul wrote to, we would have to say the Corinthian church had the most problems. They were struggling. They were struggling with, with uh, greed. They were struggling with pride. They were struggling, struggling, struggling with honoring one over another. They were struggling with selfishness. They were struggling with apathy. They had received the gospel, but it, it struggled in their midst. They, they didn't have a real heart for it. They didn't have a real idea of what their purpose and their mission was. And so Paul had to address problem after problem after problem with them. And yet it's to the Corinthians that he paints this beautiful picture. Now, I believe that says to something to us. Think about this. God's primary instrument to carry out God's primary focus, primary goal, primary desires is that the good news about Jesus be clearly communicated to this whole world. Now, think about the instrument that God chose to use. God chose to use imperfect people to carry out this wonderful assignment to take the good news, the gospel, to live out God's life in this world. And we're it. There's not a second choice. There's not a backup plan in mind for God. We're it. We've been called on to be image bearers of God. We've been called on to show the world that God exists. We've been called on to, to, be, to be his hands and his feet. And the result of that is by us working together in unity, in harmony, we paint this beautiful picture that's clearly in focus of God. And that's his plan. Now, verse 18 says that he puts our, he, he places our many parts just where he wants it to be. I want you to think about that for just a moment. God designed you 
for you to be what God wants you to be so that you can most effectively bring glory to him. That's what God wants. That's what God has desired. That's what God has designed. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. And so he understands. He has taken time. He has he so designed the body of Christ so that it is, most, uh, it, it is best suited to carry out his plan. And he's put imperfect parts in the body to carry out his work. We are shaped to serve. We are shaped to worship. We are shaped to glorify God. Shape. We have all received a spiritual gift. We all have a heart, and a heart is, feels deeply about certain things, and his spirit is at work there. A, we all have abilities. We all have things that we're able to do. We have abilities. We have talents. We have skills that we can use. P, we all have a personality. We, we, we're all different. He, I think that is clearly spoken of here. Different parts, different ways of being, different ways of thinking. Some are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. Some are free. We're all different. We're all imperfectly different. And, and he has... He has put this all together and he has shaped us uniquely so that we can, be, we can create something, we can be part of something that is a beautiful, beautiful painting for this world to see that God is God. He's the designer. He designs the many parts. So it's important for us to understand how we're shaped it's important for us to know our assignment. It's important for us to do our assignment. It's important for us to trust others in this painting to do their assignment to carry out the work of God. Today, the Super Bowl, you're going to see real good athletes that play the game really well. Now, I don't, have, I don't really care who wins today. 49ers can win. I won't lose any sleep. Kansas City wins. I won't lose any sleep. It doesn't matter to me. My team's not in there. My team will never be in there. I've resigned to that, that I will never watch another Super Bowl and really be committed to watching the game root for a team. That's just not going to happen. And so, uh, uh, but I am going to watch the game. And I do like football. I like football a lot. When I watch football, I don't watch football like probably most people watch it. I, I hardly ever see the ball when I watch a football game. And it really disrupts, the, the way the TV does it often disrupts my viewing of a football game because I watch the line over and over and over. I want to see how it works. I want to see how it takes place. I love watching defensive tackles. I like seeing defensive tackles that, that take on that one gap and they've got it and they, they squeeze their man down and then they go to the ball and make a play. I like watching the linebackers as they, they scrape off and feel their their, uh, they fill their holes and their assignments. I like watching the ends, keeping the, 
the, the running backs having to turn up all the time so they can get them where they need to be. I like watching the strong side linebacker take on the tight end and, and be able to master that position. And, and he's the anchor of it all. And he makes a stand. It's like a, a, a siege on a wall in the, in, the, in the Ottoman days when you had to have someone that would absolutely be able to just just stake themselves and hold the line. And that's what that guy does. That's his job. And he literally just, he just risks limb and arm and he risks his head to just hold on to that stake and take on the blocker and, and force the running back to turn where he doesn't want to turn. I love that. I love watching a receiver run down the field and, and the ball's over his head. And it used to be that the safety would kill him. I love that. Now we're throwing a flag and we're telling, calling his mother, telling his mother we're very sorry that that happened to her son. Please forgive us. That's about what the game's becoming, sort of. All right. I love the painting it, it plays. So, so when I watched the game today, I watched to see the beauty of it. I, I, I watched to see that talented people play well. Now. We're not going to see a 325 guy playing free safety. He's not shaped for that. He can't do that. That would be ugly. That, that would be unproductive. He, he, can't ca he can't cover enough ground. You're not going to see a 200-pound defensive tackle. That would be a horrific thing to have happen. That would be dangerous. That would be just, that would be mean. That would be sadistic to put a 200-pound tackle up there to handle a 300-pound guard. I mean, he would just be knocked around. And so, just like in football, the head coach, the designer of it, he shapes it. He, he just he puts the right guy with the right shape in the right place, with the right speed, with the right skill, with the right ability. And when that master designer looks back and he sees those 11 guys working in harmony, working in unity. He sees what he needs to see. And he absolutely, you know, is thrilled with that. And it's a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to behold. Now, far more beautiful than that is the body of Christ. You and I, uniquely shaped to bring glory to God uniquely shaped he goes in to say we're different we are many parts we have different functions some of us are hands some of us are feet some of us are ears some of us are are uh are are the parts of the body that is is seen as being the teacher the guider the the healer the the helper and and when all these different shapes formed together, although they're very different, they come together and, and they mesh together. And we have a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be part of something that's so far greater than ourselves and for the purpose that God has for us. So he puts the body in the place that he so desires now, here are the keys of it. Many parts, one body. We got to know our part. We got to know how we're shaped. We got to appreciate how we're shaped. 
We need, a, we need to take some time to consider what our spiritual gift is, what our heart beats for, what we're most passionate about, what we care about the most, and we need to walk down that road to try to meet that need of what our heart longs for, what it's passionate about. We need to consider our abilities. What are we good at? What do we do well? What do we have to offer? Our personality, how are we wired? Are we wired to, to lead or are we wired to follow? Are we, are we wired to, to, uh, to be one of the noticeable gifts, the noticeable uh, limbs, or are we wired to be the unnoticed parts of the body? And it's really important that we recognize what we are made to do and be in the body of Christ. And then our experiences, we consider all that. Consider how we're shaped. What position should we, should we play in the body of Christ? How fast are we? How tall are we? How, how much do we weigh? How strong are we? Can we catch the ball? Can we hit someone? Can we do this? Can we do that? I mean, all those things come into play to put a football player in the right place. All those things need to come into play to put the believer in the right spot for ministry. And the good news is, just like in a football game, when all the parts blend together, they're able to accomplish their assignment. When all the parts of the body blend together, man, we, we do something that no one else can do. We do something that no other organization in the community has the assignment of doing. We have the assignment to worship God. We have the assignment to bring glory to him. We have the assignment of making him known. And the better we relate in the body, the better we do what we're called to do, then as image bearers, the more clear God's picture is for other people to see. Some of the good things that we get to do, hope, hope. Hope is a, is a, a fleeing thing in our world today. Hope, hope that there's an answer. Hope that there's a possibility. Hope for people that by their own choices perhaps have buried themselves and, and they just don't see there's a way out. Hope that, that speaks volumes of people who have no hope. We don't really understand how vital and how important hope is until we would find ourselves without hope. Now, we understand from Scripture, Colossians 1.27, that Christ is our hope. Nobody else has that assignment in our community. Nobody else has got that. And as we come together, God uniquely puts us where he wants us to be. We, as we work together, we paint a picture that there is hope for people. Hope. We ought not take that lightly. We give hope. The believers are to be the people that stand the firmest and speak the loudest. There's hope. There's hope. In a world that doesn't see much hope, that needs to be done. There is hope. Something else. Empathy is experienced. 
Empathy is possible. It is possible through Christ that we are able to identify with the hurts and the pains of other people. What other group has that assignment? You think about all the different groupings of people. You know, this, this company manufactures a product. That's their purpose. The school educates people. That's their purpose. Right? The hospital cares for the physical needs of people. That's their purpose. Now, some of those different, when believers are at those places, obviously, some of these things overlap. But have you ever considered that one of God's primary purposes for the body of Christ is to show people what empathy looks like? Well, he says here in verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. That's empathy. I think just as hope is fleeting, just as, as hope is hard to find in our world today, I think empathy is really hard to find. I, I watched just a little bit of the impeachment trial on television because I have no idea what they're talking about. I don't understand their language. I don't understand what they're doing. I, I, but I, I, I can read the body language. I, I can read the tone. I can tell what's going on. In that room, from all those people that are there, on both sides of the aisle, very little empathy happening. Now, that really shouldn't surprise us. That shouldn't just catch us off guard. I mean, if we're sitting back thinking, why in the world don't these leaders demonstrate what empathy is all about? Well, first of all, it's not their assignment. God has not called them as a group to be the ones that herald this great picture of what empathy looks like, but he has given that to us. We are to be the ones that show the world what empathy looks like. We are to be the ones that reveal it, that show it, that people experience what it feels like, what it looks like for other people to empathize with other people. And the truth of the matter is, if we don't do that, it won't get done. And that's what God has called us to do. God has called us to be unified, imperfect Different people. He said, I'm going to do something that everyone's going to think is not possible. And from a human point of view, it's not possible for imperfect, different people to love each other. It's not, it's not possible through human thought, human way, human reason, through human strength. But through God's strength, it is possible. And what a beautiful, beautiful thing it is when believers empathize with each other. Wow, hope and empathy. What, what a great objective for you to have this next week in your world. That wherever you go, whoever you deal with, whatever conversations you have with people, that they are going to experience hope and they are going to experience empathy. 
that you are just going to identify with them in such a way that, that they are just, their spirits are just lifted with that experience of empathy. They're going to leave saying, man, so-and-so really cared about me today. So-and-so really listened to me today. Man, I, I had a conflict at work, and, and I thought it was going to be this huge thing. And, and when I sat down with the other person, and that other person is you, and, and, and the conversation happened about the conflict, man, how, how wonderful it was to, to hear the soundness of thought and, and, and to to not be so driven to win. And, and there was empathy that came and there was awareness that came an understanding that just impacted my life. That's the body of Christ. That's what we're to be. And the love that would just run over. In the Philippians, if you've been reading the book of Philippians, you, you've seen that one of Paul's ambitions was that in the Philippian church, that love would just run over. There'd be more love than they can contain. It's just like you're down at the bottom of a waterfall and, and if maybe Niagara, some of those great big waterfalls. And, you know, if you just took a one-gallon bucket under that waterfall, well, that's just a useless activity, isn't it? There's no way in the world you're going to be able to catch all that water. And if you think about it, that's the love of God. It flows over the Niagara Falls like that. And that just the volume of water, well, you understand that pouring out of heaven is a great, unbelievable volume of love. And, and we are to be the ones in this community, in this world, that, that that love is running over. It can't be contained. It's not contained within us. It's not contained within these walls. It's just not contained. There's just more love that flows from us that, that we can bottle up. We can't build a big enough reservoir for all the love that God pours through us. That's a beautiful thing. That's a picture of God. People will see God clearly when they experience some hope, some empathy, and some love. And, and 1 Corinthians says that different people from different places with different ideas are going to come together with all these differences and God is going to put them right where they need to be and, and there's going to be this magnificent painting that's done. And that painting is going to allow people to see that in this world, in this life, because of God, because of Christ, because of what Christ has done in us, there is hope, there is empathy, and there is more love than you can ever bottle up. This morning I had a conversation with one of our members and, and I had run into this guy and, and I had tried and tried and tried to get him to talk to me about spiritual life and I just couldn't get him to talk with me. I threw this lure, I threw that lure, I talked about this, I talked about that. You know, I just couldn't get him to budge. I just couldn't get him to talk with me about it. And, and, and I talked with the guy today, he says, yeah, I, I was telling him, I said, and I tried so hard to get that old boy to talk with me, and I just couldn't get him to talk with me about God. He said, well, you know, he's of a scientific mind, and he's always thinking about evolution, and he's trying to figure out how God fits in with evolution, and how God fits in with science, and how, how you can understand this world through God, and, and I, I thought, man, I, I, I you know, 
okay, so next time I see the guy, I'm going to go at it a different way. However, however, there's no question about it. The evolutionists, the creationists, the, the uh, old wor worlders, the new worlders, all those things, all those people with all those different science things. I just believe with all my heart when, when they are impacted over and over and over and over and over again by Holy Ghost filled believers that are in Christ, that are spiritually guided and led, that hope just radiates from their being. Empathy is just, it just gushes out. And love is just, it just runs out over them so much that it just can't be controlled. I just think all those scientific questions are going to be put on the back burner. And they're going to experience something that they probably most likely have never experienced. Now, do you ever think about what are the people thinking about when you're with them? Do you ever think, think these things like this? I mean, I, maybe it's my weirdness or whatever, but I, I wonder, do, do they think like I think? I mean, how do we know? We don't know that people think like we think. We don't know that, right? And, and I think about how I process things and how I think about things and what matters. And, and you know, I, I tend to think about where the, what their angle is, what they're after, what they want from me, what's going on. That's my flesh. That's what, how I uh, work it. But man, when, when I finally saw more love than I could explain, Jesus had my heart. When, when I experience in other people more empathy than I ever experienced, in fact is, I experienced empathy long before I even knew what empathy was. Jesus had my heart. When, when it was communicated to me that there's hope that I don't even know anything about. There is hope for me. There is possibility for me. Heaven is a real possibility for me through Jesus. I had no concept of that. I had no idea of that. And, and when they explained to me and when I saw it by their love for me and their empathy for me and, and just that there was something uniquely different in these people that were believing in Jesus. And, and now I understand what it was, was the body of Christ being a beautiful portrait for me to see. And when I saw that the body of Christ was a beautiful portrait for me to see, Jesus had my heart because it gave me an answer. It gave me a possibility. It gave me a purpose that I didn't even know was a question for my life. And that's what God desires to do. And truth is presented. Truth. As I watched the impeachment hearing a couple of times, I went, who's telling the truth and who's lying? They all probably said, I swear I'm going to tell the truth, nothing but truth to help me. God. Both sides can't be telling the truth. There's no way both sides are telling the truth because both sides are telling something completely different. 
And I'm going to listen to that. I said, probably there's a little bit of lie in that, probably a little bit of lie in that, probably a lie in that statement, probably a lie in that statement. And then they get out of the deal and they come over there and this, this group is in front of the camera and they're saying this and this group is saying this. It's completely two opposite sides, you know. One saw a camel that ran through the red light and one saw a zebra run through the red light. How can two groups of people who are standing at a corner, not see that there is a real difference between a camel and a zebra. Well, their minds are already made up. And, and I'm listening to this going, boy, there, there's not a lot of truth going on here. There's not any objectivity here. Their minds are made up before this thing ever got going. Where is the truth? And hopefully the truth somehow or another will, will come to be. But in this world of very little truth, very little truth in this world, in there. There's only agendas. It's only getting what I want. It's only protecting my turf. It's only protecting my power. That's what's going on. Salesmen sell us a product saying, this is the best thing that we ever had. All the way back in the Western days, you know, this elixir will take care of everything that ails you. Well, who in the right mind is going to believe that one elixir takes care of everything that ails you? I got a long list of things that ailed me. Let's see if you, you know, is there a money back guarantee here on that? I mean, that, for, that, that uh, syrup stuff they used to pour down me, that castor oil, what a, what a bogus thing that was. You ever had castor oil? Go home and get you some and try it. They shouldn't even make it anymore. Matter of fact, if you got to change the oil in your lawnmower, just use castor oil, it'll be just fine. I mean, how many gallons do they pour down me when I was a kid? This takes care of everything. They said, you know, truth, truth. What's truth? Well, truth is, it's almost like a fog out there today. And, and we are to live with such hope, with such empathy, with such love running over that when we do speak the truth of God's word, it's seen, it's believed, it's trusted. And, and that's who we are to be. Siri can't help me today. They're listening to us. Believe me. <laughs> Siri, how can you help me? I'm out. I'm out of gas. All right. See how I think? We are the body of Christ. When we recognize our parts and live it out, we paint a beautiful picture. Ought to be committed to the body of Christ. Ought to be part, ought to be shaped in such a way that we know it and we live it out so that the world is benefited by what God desires to do in our lives. Help us, Lord, to understand today. Help us, your spirit to lead us and guide us. May your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.